Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be with you here for Sunday service. And we want to welcome everyone, the, our, all our participants in the Living Discipleship Program who are here up at the meditation retreat, all of our guests at the Expanding Light, all our residents, and then all of you online too. It's, um, I'm Nayaswami Mantra Devi. This is Nayaswami Krishna Das. So I'm going to read this morning from Rays of the One Light and the Bible and B Bhagavad Gita commentaries by Swami Kriyananda. This morning, it's on many are the paths. Oops, wrong one. Intuition is simple. The intellect is complex. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 10, we read a passage that Yogananda often quoted. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked these that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. It's often been noted that a critical attitude tends to paralyze creativity. Good critics, for example, seldom produce works of creative genius, though their creations may be intellectually clever. The intellect separates, it analyzes, then puts things together again, piece by piece. Intellect lacks intuition's flow, which descends smoothly like a river from the superconscious. Paramahansa Yogananda described intuition as the soul's power of knowing God. To receive the kingdom of God, Jesus was saying, one must do so with the openness and trust of a little child. Intellectuals may object to this statement, saying, but there must also be discrimination. You wouldn't want a person to be so open-minded that his brains fall out. The truth is, however, that the intellect can be fooled, even when it does its best to discriminate wisely. Only intuition is capable of penetrating to the heart of a matter and knowing truth from false heart. It was the clear understanding of a child, not the elaborately persuaded intellects of his elders, that enabled the child in Hans Christian Andersen's story to cry out in surprise, why isn't the emperor wearing any clothes? Therefore, it was that Sri Krishna said in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, to you who are free from the carping spirit, I shall now reveal wisdom sublime, grasping it with your mind and perceiving it by intuitive realization, you shall escape the evils of delusion. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. <clears throat> Om. 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 
Good morning, everyone. I don't see a camera out there. Are we not being videoed? We are. Okay, well, I don't have to keep it together. <laughs> I was about to unloosen my tie and just sort of. <laughs> I, was, I see Pranaba back there. It reminds me when we went up to Seattle, you know, those were the simpler times, and, and we were not even recording, you know, audio. And then we thought, well, this is something we should do so that people that aren't able to come. So we got our mics together, you know, and it was a stationary mic and it had to stay right there. We put tape on the, on the carpet and you had to come right up to that tape, you know. I always thought, I always pictured when you slide up to that line, it reminded me of bowling, you know. <laughs> and I never knew, I thought I never knew if I was gonna bowl the strike or get a gutter on that one. So, uh, Anyway, today's topic is very important. Uh, intellect, intuition. Intuition is simple. Intellect is complex. Well, for the devotee, uh, where our goal is self-realization and direct intuitive perception is what will help us reach that goal, then direct intuitive perception is essential, is essential. So I, at some point along the way of my own evolution, I realized just how important that is in this topic this week, uh, emphasizes that, that all of our practices, Raja Yoga practices, particularly meditation, meditation helps with open the heart and offer it to God in meditation, and we want to offer a heart that is still, that is open. And those are the same conditions that will enable us to develop intuitive perception. So our meditation practices, what to say of all the other moments, hours of the day, where is our consciousness at so that we can uh, continue to be in that intuitive flow? So Swami points out here that intuition is the power, the soul's power of knowing God. It's, intuition is a faculty of the soul, whereas the intellect is mind-born. So our uh, sort of pre-goal is to develop intuition. So in order to do that, we need to have a uh, calm feeling and calm reason. So it, in, it involves both head and heart. Uh, the uh, master points out that we have two organs of knowing, reason and feeling. Both those have to be aligned. Both those have to be in balance in order us for, for intuition to flower. So he goes on to say that, um, well, Master gave us this quote that emotion needs to be kept in a state of reason so that it's calm feeling. And that, but that too much uh, reason will suffocate the heart. So the heart needs to be open and, you know, deep feeling. Both those need to be in place for intuition to flower. Swami goes on to say, with the intellect, the well, the, the benefit of the intellect is if it, if it is, is our friend, if we keep it 
supporting our search for God, for truth, and that it's our, uh, if it asks the right questions, it's our foe because it kind of logic, reason, intellect, it keeps us going around in circles, sort of examining the same thing. And then the other bane of its nature is that in the West particularly, because we can define a thing well, we think we know it. Or that, and that isn't so. I mentioned that in our class on, on Thursday. Just because we can define it doesn't mean we know it. That's, that's of the intellect, that's mind-born. To get into an intuitive flow, we have to get into our soul nature. Now, our soul, Master says, is a spark of the infinite flame. It's individualized spirit. This universal spirit is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. So is our soul, because we are made in that image. So omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient means we we know all things. So we were talking about the importance of the Ohm technique, the importance of the Ohm vibration. We listen to Ohm, that's God's voice, that is God. Ohm is God. We listen to the Ohm, and as Jesus said, as the comforter, all things will be brought to your knowing by just listening to Ohm. Not just, if we can hear it in pure and purer ways. So this is the importance of intuition. Now, with this reading also, I was uh, interested how Swami brought in, well, the, the childlike to be open, trusting, and have faith as a child, okay? He also brought in, in the Gita reading, the carping spirit, the carping spirit. So we thought, okay, well, that's very important too. We have to get away, and the carping spirit is born of the intellect. A carping spirit is complaining. Uh, it's uh, um, critical, you know, and it it uh, points to things, and it's negative typically. So we have to avoid that as a devotee. We have to stay in our positive nature, so that we can not fall into the carping spirit, be positive, be open, trusting that this must be what's supposed to happen here. Don't get critical, don't get negative about it, because it will cut off intuition's flow. In the life of uh, uh, Rajasi Janakananda, Durga Ma, she was assigned by Master to, to be his assistant. So she, she was more than a valet. She lived in the same space, you know, cooked, cleaned, took care of his every need. She was a very high soul uh, as well, but did Guru's will and took care of Rajasi. She said that he could not bear negativity at all, at all. She said if he was reading a report and the person giving it got into any negativity, he would not have anything more to do with the project or the person. She said, you couldn't even say darn in front of him. <laughs> you know, these, these saints, and they get it down to the, 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 the nub, right, the essence. And, uh, you know, not all pick, up, pick it up by the same string, but when they latch on to their way out, they are 
you, know, you could say fanatical about it, right? We can just say, and not obsessive, they are fixed and sure about what they need to do. They're certain. There's no doubt there for them, okay? In the, at Mount Washington, Yogananda uh, was saying to the, to the disciples there, you know, when they came to him with something, you know, some negative report about what was going on, he goes, let's not go there. I'm paraphrasing <laughs> for Yogananda. Because <laughs> let's, let's not go there. He goes, if, if uh, you know, if I began expressing the, the negative aspects, the faults of this, this organization, I'd start and never stop. He goes, it doesn't do any, it, it's, it's not productive, it doesn't do any good. Let's not speak of the negativity. Let's keep positive, emphasize the positive. And then through magnetism, we know that that increases in the negativity or that, that which is negative, it sort of dies on the vine or becomes less and less uh, evident or uh, manifest. The positive brings out, takes over. With Swami, Swami shares about this experience he had where he, he was asked to go to a, uh, an installation of officers at a, at a mason uh, temple. And at the uh, event, it, he said it ended in shambles. It was just arguing and some people walked out. And, and uh, so when he got back to Mount Washington, Master asked him, he goes, how, how was it? And he told him and he goes, don't speak of it. You know, let's not speak of negative things. It just gives it energy. Now, those are kind of general examples. In the life of St. Francis, I read where when he started his, when he sort of converted, you know, came out with his own unique conversion of where he was going to leave the material world, leave the riches, name of his family, and he became an ascetic and a beggar, really. So he would go to these homes with his bucket, and they would, at that time, they would just put slop in there, kind of from their uh, garbage. And he said it was so revolting, he, you know, his stomach would turn, but he thought, no, this is what God is giving me. I'm going to enjoy it. And he, and he affirmed that, and he ate it with joy. Now, how that turned and to his advantage was the people, they saw that. You know, they saw his spirit, his commitment to that, that way of life, and uh, just the joy, you know, that St. Francis emanated, and his, uh, he got better things. <laughs> his bucket, his bucket improved. So I think for our our buckets, you know, if we just concentrate on the negative, it's not going to help. It's not going to improve doing that, you know. Let's concentrate on the positive. Um, so when we, so we meditate, you know, we do Hung Sa, you know, our other practices, but it gets us into, in touch with our soul nature, you know, our soul nature. And that's where we can tap into the intuitive flow that is 
an innate faculty with, within us. We're all capable of that. We just have to work on it so it becomes better and better at us ex at uh, accessing that intuitive perception within us, the soul's innate knowing. So our meditation practices help us either concentrate at the point between the eyebrows, you know, still the breath in Hong Sa, go deeper in Om, Kriya. Okay, meditation works that way. We're not meditating all the time. Most of the time, we're not meditating. So how do we keep the mind from going into the carping spirit, even by degree? You know, I would say here at Ananda Village and those involved with our path, well, there's probably moments. But I would say our sort of average, as it were, we're going along OK, but we're susceptible to this, this carping, carping spirit by degree. So, because it, it's, it's, it's an illness of the mind, and it's the mind's nature, because the intellect is critical. It minutely analyzes everything. Very easy to get into the critical or the negative. The antidote there, creative expression. Creative expression. I thought that is really important because, again, the vast majority of our day, our time, it, we're not in meditation. Now, Master says we should keep our mind at the point between the eyebrows all the time, but how often do we do that? Um, let's try to get better at that. Even in energization, if you'll check yourself, you know, from beginning to end, you wandered, you know, you wandered, you know, you weren't there the whole time, and that technique is uh, that's a component of that technique. So keeping our mind here all the time would help. But uh, let's look at the life of Swami. We, who, who better can we look at that has come in our close observation? If you were here when he was in the body, or you could see what he, his legacy that he left. He was a fountain of creativity, always creating. He was always. In, in that mode. Uh, we were riding the town one day, and, and we, were going, we had a recording studio in town before the one that was built here. And uh, I thought, oh, hey, we could let down a little, you know, not talk about the game, because I don't think Swami would talk probably be into that, but just sort of the, the mood or the, the feeling. You know, we just kind of let down a little bit. No way. It, we talked all the way in about some project he wanted to do, the next thing, or what he was thinking about doing to bring these teachings to the world. When we were uh, like in a, in a, in a uh, bookstore once, you know, we're checking out, and, and you know, at the counter, I suppose they still have that. At the counter, they have all these little booklets, you know with sayings of saints or, you know, positive thinking and things like that. So we're checking out, and Swami's looking at all of them very intently, you know, and he's looking at them and reading some and, and you know, carefully checking them out. And uh, soon after, you know, well, he talked about it some, but soon after there was all this series of secrets books, right? Secrets of love, 
Secrets of Leadership, Secrets of Emotional Healing. I think there, I don't know how many, if there's a Crystal Clarity person here, maybe 15 or more. All these Secrets books, they were a saying a day, each day of the month, on that topic. So he had his mind on like how, how he would do that, you know. Another time, uh, this was up in uh, Seattle, and he was sleeping, he was staying with us, and uh, we're making him breakfast, you know, and, and thinking that he could just be relaxing again, you know, not tomasically, but just sort of enjoying, looking out the window, whatever, you know. Uh, and it's not that Swami didn't have his entertainment and have his, we wouldn't call it downtime, but we would call leisure, uh, leisure time where he would do something fun that, that he enjoyed. Uh, but uh, so I'm, you know, we're making breakfast and, and I look over and so we had this, we had one of those <laughs> little plastic boxes that had little cards of Christian uh, sayings from the Bible that we probably got at one of those bookstores, Christian bookstores. And uh, I looked over and he had it open and he had all of them out on the table. He was arranging them, you know, in a certain order and, and that was pre-oratorio, you know. And uh, his focus on, on that and uh, I don't even know if, yeah, we did have the rays of, this, uh, of the same light then. But he had, he had that in mind, you know, this oratorio he's gonna, he's gonna write and, and uh, express Christianity in that way. So that, and so, have you ever known Kriyananda to be negative? Or even to be moody? Never, never. He was just this ex continuous flow of creative expression in whatever he was doing. So I think, you know, that's, in a way, it's a technique. So it's, it's, uh, it's the way to overcome that particular uh, tendency that is equally innate if we fall into intellect, mind, uh, and so on. So I'm going to uh, see if there's something I wanted to say that I didn't. I could tell a story about the dairy in honor of Nikula sitting here. I was um, my own. It was in the days when there wasn't a paved road in sight, not even a graveled path, and it rained a lot in those days, you know. And there was mud everywhere. You could call it a mud village. And uh, and it was raining so hard at that period. I was in a tree hut, but they said I could sleep. At the entrance of the village was a, a farmhouse, and there was a garage. They turned that into a, a men's dorm. Kind of reminded me of like immigrant workers on a farm, but uh, in, a, in a good way. So it was warm. There were bunk beds, or maybe enough for eight or 10 guys to sleep. And it was very bonding for us. You know, I, so I moved in there for a couple of weeks, and we, we were in there. And uh, it was pouring down rain, you know, and we're enjoying the warmth and the camaraderie, the satsang. 
And, you know, we'd be talking about the teachings, probably astral worlds, you know, these interesting things, you know, that were fairly new. But I had to go milk. And it was dark, and it was cold, and it was windy, and it was raining. And we didn't have head-to-toe Patagonia in those days. <laughs> we had kind of jeans, cotton jeans, and a poncho became a sail when the wind was blowing. So, so I kind of left the warmth and the nice mood of that evening, and I marched over to the dairy. But I kind of started to get into the carping spirit. But I knew that you can't milk a cow with that, with that consciousness. They, they won't put up with it. They feel your vibration through your hands. So you, it was a good lesson. You had to stay centered and calm doing that, right? Um, but I had to walk back, not had to. In walking back, I was able to vent myself, you know? So I started complaining. You know, that was only me, you know, and God will forgive me. No one really knew. But I was really ranting and raving, and I was upset, and I, and I started to get into it, you know? And I'm, it's, so it's, I'm cutting across the, the, where the permaculture garden is now over to uh, the draw, and then the, it wasn't a long walk, but it was pouring down rain. And uh, so I had a flashlight. I'm marching along, I'm stomping, and I was, I was just really getting into it, you know? And uh, it felt good, but... Uh, I hit one of the kind of a muddy spot, and my feet went up, and I landed right on my back. <laughs> my flashlight must have been pointed up because all I saw were these beautiful illuminated raindrops coming down, you know, from the sky, and it hitting my face. And I thought, how beautiful! <laughs> this is so beautiful, you know. I was missing that, you know. <laughs> I got into this carpet spirit. I missed that beautiful walk in the rain with the, I did want to be with the guys, you know, but uh, that, was, uh, that wasn't what was happening. So anyway, that was an extreme example, but, uh, but it taught me, you know, to uh, just be in the moment and not go there because it was not at all fun. And it taught me what I was miss missing. So I think when we, when we fall into that sort of carping spirit or, you know, even low-grade negativity or sort of, a, you know, not be, being passive, that's, that's when you're passive, that's when we're susceptible. So we have to keep dynamic. And I gave the example of dyna dynamism of creative thinking or creative expression. That's, that's the best. But uh, just being creatively aware of where your consciousness is at all times. And so that you don't fall, we don't fall into this sort of low grade, you know, where we're cutting ourselves off because we will, we, it takes intuition to experience everything. Intuition is of the soul. The soul's nature is joy. The reading, uh, the affirmation about joy, you know, says we need to feel calm in our hearts so that we can be aware of the joy of God. So everything uh, 
comes from intuitive perception. So I wanted to close with a reading from Whispers, since I didn't open with it. Demand for the realization of God's presence. O Divine Father, thou art just behind my prayer. Why dost thou seem so far away? Thou dost tremble in my feelings. Thy presence glimmers through the veil of my thoughts. Yet dost thou seem so far away. Father, come, remove thy veil. Come, Father, come, hear the voice of my prayer. I want to know thee, to talk to thee, to hear thee speak to me. I want to pray to thee and know that thou dost hear my prayer. Show me the way that leads to thee. caught up in ecstasy T'was a day sanctified by God There he showed me the truths of heaven Truths which all seeking him should know how the soul made to live in freedom can reclaim its eternal right how the night born of our delusions can be fired blazing with his love.